Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode number 538 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. And if you're watching live on Twitch right now or watching on the YouTube, by the time you're listening to this on Thursday, you can also see the man, the myth, the legend, DJ Hughes in studio as well, co-host of the Outside the Box podcast. He's in town as we uh, have Premier Lacrosse League going down this weekend so he and i will be heading up to albany over the weekend so make sure you're following the outside the box podcast as well for all of your pll coverage but we've got philly sports galore to talk about tonight the sixers have a new head coach fred van vliet hinting that he may want to come to philly uh the phillies announced their wall of fame uh inductees for 2023 along with everybody just continuing to think the sky is falling with the Philadelphia Phillies. We'll get into all that. We'll get into the Philadelphia Union, who should be kicking off in the next 20 minutes or so as they are back on track, looking good, ready to rock and roll. And, of course, we'll get into uh, recapping Survivor 44. We have a new winner. And Zach Bryan just absolutely tearing it down at the Wells Fargo Center last night and getting ready to do it again tonight. Uh, Plus, we'll get into just all the fun stuff we always get into. But before we get started... Make sure you guys are following us on the socials at Underground PHI, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Casarina. And follow DJ on Twitter at SCS underscore next great. Make sure you guys subscribe to the pod feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Leave a five-star rating and review. It does go a long way for helping the show continue to grow. Helps more uh, people find Underground Sports Philadelphia and helps us take this thing to where we want to bring it. And be sure to subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of this podcast twice a week and every podcast on our network. You get clips, shorts, live streams, interviews the whole nine yards all on our youtube channel youtube.com slash at underground sports philadelphia we are currently at 509 subscribers trying to get to 600 before the end of june so be sure to subscribe to the youtube channel and of course this podcast is brought to you by the city of vineland i think matt has the ad read right under there because we had to shuffle some stuff around that he does And whether you are a company looking to expand, relocate, or a new business startup, selecting the right location is critical to your success. Vineland, New Jersey offers both an affordable business location and an excellent quality of life. The city's economic development department is a one-stop source for moving your project through the development and approval process. Their goal is to make the process as smooth as possible and provide the fastest turnaround times in the region. 
If you are considering potential locations for your operation, contact the Vineland Economic Development Team at 856-794-4100. That's 856-794-4100, Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Maine Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland for their continued support of this podcast. Matt, what's going on, man? I'm living the dream. First time you and Deej are doing content together. Right. Uh, Deej, you're in studio live on the main pod for the first time. What's popping? Man, I just realized this is the first time I've been live on the pod. Uh, feels good. I mean, I've been here all week. The people are probably tired of my face, but like, I could care less. We're, we're here for the vibes. We, uh, we've got some vibes to be checking in on, and it's with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, it's brought to you by our awesome merch partners at PHI Apparel Company, the exclusive merch home of everything Underground Sports Philadelphia. Uh, whether you know, you're know you a fan of Philly, fan of our podcast network, PHI Apparel Company's got you covered. Obviously, if Philly's playing the Mets these next couple of days, go get your, your anti-Mets shirts. you got the Fanatic choking out Mr. Met. We've got the Muck the Fet shirt. Get your Underground Sports Philadelphia logo merch. All of that good stuff is available at PHI Apparel Company, and you're going to stand out in the crowd because you're going to have the best merch on the planet. You guys can use our code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all orders from phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co, code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all orders. Phil's failed to get past first base last night for the first time since 2016, oddly enough, against the Mets that year as well. Um, everyone feels like it's back to mid-April again where it's, you know, approaching baseball like it's football. And obviously we're, we're further along in the season now, but um, to kind of blame anybody outside of the players at hand who are struggling is kind of odd to me. Um, Trey Turner hasn't been exactly as advertised. Will he turn it around? You hope so. Um, but, you know, guys are struggling right now, and I don't know if it's because of the thing you and I always talk about, Matt, where this team is just a warm-weather team, and as the summer rolls along, that's when they pick things up. But uh, the way that, that things are going right now for the Phils, it's eerily similar to last year. The third straight year, actually, that they're 25 and 29, um, which, I mean, <laughs> the way that last season ended, I guess, okay, you know, uh, but you can't really count on a sort of, manager change would seem to really ignite the kind of run that the Phillies went on I do think yeah you know when you talk about Trey Turner and his struggles at the plate uh, over the last few weeks especially he didn't start out the season strong but he's definitely dipped in his performance the last few weeks Schwarber you know outside of just getting on base through walks has not been effective and you hope that that turns around and um, I, I, I do think there's like some cause for concern you know mm -hmm. the fact that we're sitting here in June and this team is in you know, with the, the expectation for the Phillies coming into this year was that with the additions that they made in the offseason and the way that they sort of played from June onwards last year, that you would expect this team to be more competitive and better than they are. And, you know, there's no guarantee, obviously, that they're going to be in for the division race and not that they're necessarily out of it. They're certainly not mathematically out of it by any stretch, but it doesn't feel like they're in the division race. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel like they're actually competing for the NL East this season. They're actually closer to the Nationals at the bottom of the NL East than they are, um, you know, the, the leaders in the Braves. So that's uh, I think that's the frustrating component is that the expectations for this season were built on a World Series appearance 
and that this team could be back in that type of uh, situation this year. And I think that's where people get frustrated. And that's understandable. I think everyone feels a little misled, at least, to start this year that this team has not looked good. They've looked really inconsistent. And, you know, it just feels like the same story. And we talked about this last week, too. Like, maybe the Phillies are just not a good regular season team. Maybe maybe they're never going to be this team that is winning, like, 93 games and is, is wrapping up the division in mid-September. Like, a, that that may just not be what they are. And, I mean, you look at how things have kind of played out over the course of the first two months. Like, I don't think anybody expected going into spring training in February and March that by May 31st the Phillies would have four starters in the rotation and not five or six. Yeah. You know, that was kind of the talk around spring training. It was like, oh, Phillies might go with a six-man rotation. We talked about that a ton, you know. And then Andrew Painter gets hurt. Bailey Falter faltered heavily um and is in lehigh valley now the dylan covey experiment uh went horrifically so i read that uh in the the falter and covey starts are one and nine this year again you know when when we three do of those were on sunday night baseball. when we like you pull our hair out in early september when we're looking at the wild card standings and looking that we're three and a half games back of whoever that shit matters do you know mm-hmm. like not that you expect your fifth rotational starters to be going, you know, seven and three, right? Like they're not, you know, because uh, even our aces aren't going that. But, you know, you expect three or four wins, you know, between the two and that, out of that situation. Like they, they've they been bad and they, that has been a real sinkhole for the Phillies and um, very frustrating. I think, too, this, this the past few days have been frustrating because just like the weird Bryce Harper rest situation mm-hmm. where it felt like you, you kind of – it's fine to, I think, concede the final Braves game, but to not – it didn't feel like there was, like, some foresight. And you really needed him in the Mets yesterday. And I, I think you really needed a spark, and I, I think that would have been really beneficial. And I, I just I just wonder sometimes about some of those decisions being made. And, you know, you, you've talked, too, about maybe doing something with the lineup. I think this lineup does need a little shake because I, I think, again, when your one and twos are playing as bad as they are, and those are the guys who are seeing the most action – like that is gonna like just stall the offense. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's who's hitting well. If you're go- if you know whoever's coming up at three and four with with two men out or whatever, like it's just it, it's a tough situation to put yourself in. And I think the Phillies could do with a little tinkering, you know. And it doesn't get any better after today's news. I don't know if you saw Alec Bohm went for an MRI on yeah. his hamstring. Well, he's on, he's on my fantasy baseball team, so I saw. <laughs> and uh, you know. If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time since the year 2020, you know Alec Bohm is our sweet baby boy. Um, and he's been one of the most productive and consistent players on this team, both offensively and, you know, to the, the shock of many, defensively. If they have to go any amount of time without Alec Bohm, they don't have an immediate replacement. So I was I was listening to, to Matt Gelb talk about this, too. The problem, I think one of the understated problems of this and this goes to the Hoskins injury too right is that the Phil and this is why the Phillies were successful in the playoffs last year but this is why and this is why they're they're like kind of a fair weather team in some ways they don't have like a difference in talent among their hitters mm-hmm. like they have a lot of guys who hit the exact same kind of way and like I, I would say like are in a very similar type of mold and they like guys they like they have a lot of guys that chase early that that like to make contact that like to swing at first pitches and I don't know that they have maybe the right balance or mixture, and you're running out of options. You know, if Bohm is out for even a week or two, that's this is a bad stretch to, to lose Bohm for. Um, and Hoskins, I think, did, like, for all his faults at times, 
was always, even in his worst, you know, weeks where, you know, he, he would have these kind of peaks and valleys. He was like a, a pitches eater. Like mm-hmm. he, he was a guy that could definitely get like 13, 14 pitches out, out of a pitcher. And that's, that's valuable stuff. And right now you don't, you don't really have that with the Phillies. You don't have those guys. And you obviously had Bryce at like stop start. And, you know, obviously like we got him back much earlier than we expected. Uh, but still, you know, we, you've only had him for not even a full month in the season. So I, I, I think they, they do have some, some unfortunate luck injury, but I think a lot of teams do. Yeah, look at the team we just played a series against in the Braves. They've, mm-hmm. they've been having to dip deep into their satanic well of, uh, of relief pitching talent. But a lot of teams are struggling. The, the National League as a whole is like still a very – I know that I said we're, we're so close to the Nationals, but we're still you know still in a wild card race. But everyone is. That's the thing, too. Is like, and you really want to – at some point start to differentiate yourself. And I worry that the Phillies are going to kind of be stuck in this like big pack of teams. And, you know, you, you could just kind of leave it too late, you know, and I'm not trying to hit like panic buttons in not even June, but you know, like this could be a recipe where you're, you're sitting, you know, record sort of just waiting to, well, you know, like August it'll turn around. And Mm -hmm. you know, what if it doesn't, (laughs) and, 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 you know, we've had enough of this team so far this season for to not just be, ah, you know, like, baseball's like this you know weeks can look so different and let's see what the weather gets warmer and that you know, that's the thing now that i think we're going to console ourselves well you know there's always been a a, a hotter team and Kyle you know Schwarber's we get Schwerber into june. june and the hoagie fest is coming around like sure but you know like i'd like to see it now i'd like to i'd like to see that we can do that now i'd like to to not wait to kind of have a turnaround because team also just barely made the playoffs last mm-hmm. year they took it to the last day like it's i don't know it is it's concerning to a point too, like, you know, back to the bone injury, like there is nobody to truly replace him either. Like everybody he was replacing a replacement, right? <laughs> and everybody in the farm system that, you know, is being built up because of lack of attention to detail of actual like scouting and everything are in single a, they're barely in double a, there's nobody that's a direct replacement, which is going to force the hand of Dave Dombrowski, who his entire career is built upon, going out and getting players to to alleviate, you know, injuries, to fix holes in lineups and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, it, it comes back to the Hoskins injury, comes back to Derek Hall getting injured. Like, those two dominoes really put a, a, a damper on what this Phillies depth really could be. And now Dombrowski's going to have to, probably earlier than he anticipated, start working the phones and potentially have to overpay to go and get guys to fill in some of these gaps that they have, whether it's, you know, calling the same team for uh, a starting pitcher and somebody at third or first base, but he's going to have to start working the phones sooner rather than later, because before you know it, like the Phillies could be, you know, faltering out of uh, a wild card spot with how consistently mid the national league is right now. I think it's, it's tough too. And like, you see this in sports and there's an analogy I love, which is the short blanket where you're constantly readjusting it because you don't have the talent, you don't have the resources to have a bigger blanket, right, to be a good team where you can just cover yourself. You're constantly shifting, and the Phillies do this a lot, and you see this across all sports. 
some weeks the offense is going well, the pitching is terrible. And then other weeks the pitching is great, but the, the offense, you know, you never had this like complete picture and you never have this complete team and you never feel completely comfortable and warm and like the job that a blanket should be doing. Um, and that's what the Phillies are. And that's, that's a, again, I think it's a frustrating thing when you come off the back of a World Series appearance and you have this like great playoff run. But I think, again, that the playoff run was the Phillies at their best. Mm-hmm. Like that is what the Phillies that is like the, the the peak of their powers is like you know being able to get in a a short window where they get hot for three weeks and they can blow teams away and they have good enough like top three top four pitching to win series to to win games but when you get over the course of a long season and you add in some like injuries obviously right and maybe some regression where you where you're hoping you're going to have progression this is this is where you end up to and you know you had the early season, you know, buoyancy of, of Brandon Marsh playing so well. And these guys are still playing well, right? But, like, Brandon Marsh is not hitting uh, 1,300 OPS. Right. He's not – he's not a – we're not calling him uh, <laughs> Brandon Bonds anymore, right? Like, just need his mom to cook him breakfast every day. Right, clearly. That's what we need. And, you know, we don't have – Bryson Sott, again, has had a strong season. But, you know, he started out hitting unbelievable this year. He had, what, like a 20-game? 20, 20 17-game 17 uh, hit. Like, it's just, I, 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 I understand people's frustration with this team, and I, I think that's, it's always a challenge in baseball, too, because the season is so long. So it's always hard as a fan, I think, to, to balance how upset can I really get mm-hmm. when there's, like, 89 games left to play or whatever. Like, you know, like, what, what can I realistically do when there's still, like, so much baseball left to play and we're not even at the trade deadline and there, there's still, like, work that can be done to the roster, but... Again, I, I go back to it all the time, but we always sit here in September and always get really frustrated when we look back at the schedule and we see some of these losses and everyone's going to have a 162-game season. You're going to have bad losses. But the Phillies, we always look back and, and, and look, especially some of these divisional games, and get really frustrated and it really does set you back. Yeah, I mean, DJ and I talked about this on the episode that came out on Monday. I've officially declared us on White Sox watch because oh, yeah. that team is, is falling apart quicker than the Phillies are and they have pieces that I think Dave Dombrowski more than you would hope at least sees as potential fits for this team especially in the rotation I Dave's got to be on the phone with the White Sox up with Lance Lynn (laughs) see what's up with Lance Lynn see what's up with Michael Kopech and if you really want to get you know all in see what Lucas Giolito or uh Dylan Cease are going to And take. send him in styrofoam. Yes. that man. <laughs> styrofoam, bubble wrap, uh, shrink wrap, all of it. But the White Sox have pieces, and they're sitting at 23 and 35 right now. They're the one team right now that isn't like one of those young rosters. Like, they've had this core kind of intact for a few years now, and it's just never worked. They're not like a team like the Kansas City Royals or a team like the Pirates or something like that where, like, you see the building pieces around, and you know that team is not really going to – truly blow it up and and get rid of talent. I think the White Sox are the one team that, you know, as June progresses, they could be close to pushing just the detonation button and blowing that entire roster up and trying to just rebuild from the ground up. Dombrowski's got to call them and and see what he can, you know, work the phones with to get one of those pitchers, see if there's, you know, a bench piece that you can get for them. Um, I know a lot of people were, were tagging the Phillies in, the Brewers uh, designating Luke Voigt for assignment. He is exactly what this Phillies team has. Like, they they don't need another DH. They need somebody who can play the field consistently, make this this bench deeper for them. 
Um, but the White Sox are a team I'm, I'm keeping a big-time eye on as the trade deadline gets closer. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I've always said, too, that uh, I, I always love I always love the uh, the second uh, team in the in the big city, you know? Like, I we love that energy, so, yeah, bring that here. And who knows? Maybe the Oakland A's get hot, and they, they get ready to blow it up even more. I mean, Taking two out of three against also, the Braves. Yeah, how goddamn frustrating is it to, to split? And by the way, splitting in Atlanta – we would have signed up for Fair. that immediately. You know what? Like I, I, I don't I really don't think that's like the worst outcome. Um the the two losses were not great, but you know, like fair enough. You know, like it's it's not a place that we've we've typically gone and, and played spectacularly. I'm I'm okay with two and two in Atlanta. That's like that's really not the worst thing. To to watch them go and just lay down to Oakland is like a real kick in the dick. Like that is just that is so rude. That is so hurtful to me. Um and I, it's hard to not take that a little personally. 100%. And, I mean, it is also quite funny to watch the Atlanta Braves lose a season series to the 12-46 and 46 now Oakland Athletics, who have a uh, negative 195 run differential and are having fans actively run on the field during games and nobody batting an eye. Yeah, I feel, I feel for the fans. They've been, uh, Sucks. They've been unfairly uh, treated by, by their owner, but... I, I just I'm I'm. Can I'm we just win two out of three against the Mets? No, like that's all <laughs> no, I'm asking. No, we cannot. We will go one and two, and you will like it. <laughs> Fair. And I, then we'll win three or four against the Nats, and everybody like we'll see. You. We're uh, we're, we're back. back. <laughs> I think a lot of you are overreacting. Um, when you just look around the league as a whole, it's mid. Just all around. Like if you're not in the AL East or you're not in the AL West, not name the Athletics. You're just having a mid-season. The entire MLB is just mid. Like, when the Tigers are two games under five hundred and they're only six games out of the wild card, there's a problem in the entire MLB. Yeah. So, I think the like Philly fans should, one, not harp on the hitters. Because I think the hitters are doing fine for the most part. Field play is okay, but when you don't have solid pitching, it's really hard to win a baseball game. And, like, the Phillies have had rotation problems for most of the year. So, like... I don't know what people are expecting, but you have to have good pitching in order to win a baseball game. So, like, there's just small things that they have to fix, and they're only two and a half games back out of the wild card. So, like, literally one phone call to the White Sox and a trade, and this team is in the playoffs, like, in my opinion. So, like, I think Philly fans should just relax for literally just a few, let things play out for the next, like, month, and then – start to think about the panic button but I think you have a solid month to try and figure this thing out early before a lot of people get in calling the White Sox or some of these other teams that have some pitchers and and you make it happen yeah I, I don't disagree like I you know again like you said when you when you look at the the balance of the league especially the National League there's no like even the Dodgers are not like a perfect juggernaut team like I do think it's very open but to me that only makes it more imperative that you get this right mm-hmm. the fact that there isn't there's no runaway nl team that it is very open like it's important that you you be it you get in the wild card or you win your division even you know like it, it is it is a big advantage to have and um i don't want us to kind of spend too much time sort of mucking around and um i i just i i do worry like at a certain point like we've just seen this team so much like this this season that you know we're sort of i think the the positive parts you want to be like, oh, they'll turn it around. But like, I don't know. <laughs> like, will they? Like, it felt like an act of God last year that they turned it around. I still can't fully explain just simply 
Joe Girardi being fired and a comeback against the Angels being the reason that the, the Phillies are the best team in baseball afterward. <laughs> I can't fully explain that. I can. <laughs> it's, it's me. It's he me. was here the day that Girardi got fired. So. All right, so maybe when all right, maybe you are the maybe the, the change that we needed. Yeah, it is very funny though to look right now at the wild card standings and both the Phillies and Padres, who were both playing for a ticket to the World Series last year, have the same exact record. Yeah, and like two of the top five highest payrolls in baseball. <laughs> and then you look at who is in the wild card. It's the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are playing relatively well this year. Uh, the most ridiculous team in baseball, the 28 and 27, negative 46 run differential Miami Marlins, the Mets, and the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are both also 28 and 27. Will things level out wild card wise? You hope. Yeah, you know, I don't think the Miami Marlins are going to be playing above 500 baseball and having uh, a dog water run differential the entire year. Um, but the Phillies have a lot of things that they have to figure out, and it's it starts with the starting rotation. You can't go stretches into you know the dog days of summer with just four guys in the rotation and everybody underperforming at that for the most part. Um, and, and you have to figure out some of the depth on on this roster with guys injured, and you just hope Alec Bohm's not you know going to miss any significant amount of time. Um, what do you get an MRI on? Uh, hamstring, which is not a not ideal, not a great injury. Cause that's one like the muscle injuries are always tough in in any sport because it it always feels like an injury that could crop up again very easily. That they come back and immediately restrain, or it, it's it's one of those things. One to two weeks gets reevaluated. Now it's another one to two weeks. Like not a, not a not an injury I I always love hearing about. So at all whatsoever. Um, but let's take a look at the run differentials around baseball. It's brought to you by our friends at Wasted Wedge. A new age of golf has arrived, and if you are looking to be the talk and envy of your group and create memories with your friends and family, look no further than the lineup of Wasted Wedge products and merchandise. Think your traditional shot ski, but it's going to be way easier. Not to interrupt hear. the ad read, but Jason Kelsey just banged the drum oh, at incredible. the Union game and is uh, chugging a beer on the field. So. <laughs> Hopefully, I just felt like I had to. That's amazing. <laughs> I just watched that go down. That's fantastic. With his shaved head as well from the New Heights Live. Um, hey, Jason Kelsey, get you away. Maybe, maybe that's what he needs. Him and Travis. Um, think your traditional shot ski. It's way easier to carry around, though, because it's compactable, fits right in a carrying bag that can slide right into the side pocket of your golf bag, bring it to your bachelor or bachelorette parties. You'll, you'll be the talk of your event with a Wasted Wedge product in hand. Uh, they're a blast to drink shots out of on and off the course, and you guys can check them out at WastedWedge.com or find them at Wasted Wedge on Instagram and Facebook. That's WastedWedge.com, and follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Wasted Wedge. The run differential starting in the NL East as of this recording right now looks a little like this the Atlanta Braves still the only team with a positive run differential which is kind of also a positive for the Phillies in a sense that everyone else in the division is kind of not playing as expected but the Braves 33 and 23 with a positive 58 run differential the 28 and 27 Miami Marlins like we mentioned a negative 46 run differential which they are out of the basement in terms of the National League the Rockies now uh hold the spot for worst run differential in the NL but the Marlins right there at negative 46 the Mets at 28 and 27 have a negative 11 run differential our Philadelphia Phillies at 25 and 29 with a negative 40 run differential 
And then the stolen franchise, Washington Nationals, uh, sitting at a negative 28 run differential. Again, I think we were on to something last week, Matt, with the Milwaukee Brewers. They might be the Minnesota Vikings of the 2023 MLB season. Two games above 500 in first place in their division. Negative 26 run differential. Absolute frauds. Absolute frauds. Um, The LA Dodgers with the second best run differential in the NL just behind the Braves at plus 57. Uh, The Padres uh, with a goose egg. Zero run differential. There's even Steven. Um, Probably because they're not getting blown out uh, as much as we are. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't take a 16-3 shellacking on opening week. Uh, The Tampa Bay Rays. No longer the best run differential in all of baseball, but they're at a plus 119. The Texas Rangers now holding that spot down at plus 131. Uh, the Oakland A's, a negative 195 run differential. Just brutal stuff. That is, that is tough. That is tough. Sitting to at 12 and 46. Uh, and the Rays, first team to 40 wins this year. Unbelievable. Must be nice. Uh, it also must be nice to be in. TJ's favorite team's uh, division, where the Twins lead the way at 28 and 27 with a plus 40 run differential. Tigers right behind it at 26 and 28 with a negative 56. Cleveland Guardians 25 and 30 with a negative 32. Chicago White Sox, hashtag White Sox watch, 23 and 35 with a negative 55 run differential. And then the 17 and 39 Kansas City Royals with a negative 70 run differential. Listen, I'm just, like, hoping that Casey Mize, like, decides to wake up one day and we win the division this year so I can just go to a playoff baseball game. Just one. I'll go. winnable division. Oh, I'm going to game one. I'm dropping the Billies. I don't care. I'm there. (laughs) And then I'm probably never going to be able to go to another playoff baseball game again. So, well, at least for the Tigers. So, I'm just hoping we somehow win the division with it being this bad. This is like the one chance we have. So if we blow it, it this Miggy. year, hey, if we blow it this year, I'm just gonna like officially become a Phillies fan. <laughs> so there's well, your... I have bad news about playoff appearances. <laughs> we're, not, we're not much better. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know the last time we made in 120 it. years. So not, not great. great. <laughs> Recently, you've yeah, been honestly, better. like statistically, last year was like a supreme outlier. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> hadn't been to the playoffs since 2011 before last year. You know, we're coming up on that. The drought was. Uh, it might even be longer. The already. drought was there. Um, that's your that. your run differential across MLB. Brought to you by our friends over at Wasted Wedge. Moving to Sixers summer, it's back, and uh, they just can't give us. One moment of rest. It's brought to you by our friends at Kenwood Beer. It's a refreshing light beer, 4.1% ABV, 127 calories, 10 grams of carbs. If you're going to Zach Bryan uh, tonight, if you're there, you can get Kenny's at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny tracker to see who has Kenwood on tap in the Philadelphia area. You can buy Kenwood at your local Philadelphia area liquor store or in eastern Pennsylvania, your local Whole Foods. Zach Bryan has also been known to... uh, Buy an entire bar, rounds of Kenny's, so it's his beverage of choice as well. So light body, light calories, plenty of flavor, the best light beer on the planet. You must be 21 or older to do so, and of course, please drink responsibly. Nick Nurse, the new head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, officially official, no details as far as I know have come out about the length or uh, dollars of the contract, but 
Nick Nurse, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit on Monday, kind of the best option of who was out there for the Sixers. Um, there's obviously the, the history between Joel Embiid and even as recently as this postseason saying the Brooklyn Nets were Nick Nursing uh, when they were begging for foul calls. Um, obviously friends of our friends, the Arkells, so everybody is going to uh, be introduced to the boys, I'm sure, this season and beyond, but I don't know. It, it's still back to the same point we brought up after they, they got eliminated, Matt, for me, where it's like, sure, Nick Nurse, it's a, it's a new voice, it's a new, you know, coach leading the way but until you see tangible and actual results from this franchise as a whole it, it's tough to get juiced up about anything they do I do think out of the the list of five that we got from Woj this is the one that I was uh least upset with but so I, I do think there's like some good things about Nick Nurse he's not like a complete waste to me mm -hmm. I just don't I don't know how much of an improvement he is on Doc Rivers and I'm not sure that I'm not even sure that Doc Rivers is really the reason we lost this right the series against Boston, like I've had issues with him before and I'm not, not weeping and him not being our coach next year. But do you think he got a little bit more of the blame this season when it was really Tarden and Embiid, you know, I, I think are, are more the, the, the blame for, for the, the, the loss against Boston. I just wonder like what moves I'm, I'm much more interested in what like personnel moves and player moves happen, you know, beyond this. Um, we still obviously are not going to get into clarity on Harden for, at least another month um, unless something, you know, gets released early. But even then I, I hope to see the Houston rocket gets fairly, fairly judged and uh, penalized for that. Since we were uh, docked picks for PJ fucking Tucker. Uh, of all people. Unbelievable. But I do think, I do think nurse, like just reflecting on the times, because obviously we've, we've played him a ton. We've played the, the Raptors a ton, both in obviously in division games, but also in the playoffs. We had that playoff series against them. And he's this guy that you, you've you kind of always hate, hated playing against. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's actually the good sign of a, a pretty good coach. Like, the fact that I'm never, like, happy about, like, oh, it's Nick Nurse and the Raptors. Like, I've always been a little frustrated with, with watching the Sixers play the Raptors. And I think he can maximize talent. Like, he's seen them do that with that team. Like, that team has not been amazing. You know, we're, we're loaded at any point over the last five, six years that he's been there. Like, they had Kawhi, and Kawhi went, supernova we you know we, we all saw that it was one of the best individual like playoff runs that we've seen from a not like steph lebron over the past 10 years like he was just unbelievable you know like there's a i think we've already forgotten after that summer people were talking about Kawhi being the best player in the league mm -hmm. no one has talked about him being the best player in the league since that summer because he hasn't played since that summer i mean that's that's <laughs> definitely part of it and it was a big gamble that the raptors took but he played well and that that is sometimes the difference but you know even in teams after that i, I do think he again the, the the COVID season, like this was a team, like a Raptors team that was not amazing in terms of talent level. Um, they had good players still, but, you know, it was sort of the the, the leftovers from the, the championship winning team. That was a team that was on pace to win 60 games, you know, before the, the, the season gets stopped. Like, I, I think, and that is important, you know, like how different is the Sixers season if they're the one seed? You know, just think of the, the, the ways that this unfolds in a much more better way for them. Or they get loose to the heat in the first round, like the Bucks. who knows, but... I do think um, I do think that there's some good things there, and I do think some of the he's not Tom Thibodeau, and I think people mm -hmm. talk about him like he is, where he plays everyone 51 minutes a night. Um, that's I think a little overstated, but I I think he's he's fine. I I'm not upset at the hiring. I'm also not like 
hugely inspired by it, but I think of the options, it was, it seems that we have identified, I think he was the best option. Um, I'm much more interested now in seeing what, if any, like on the margins moves we can make, if we're moving Tobias, if we're really going in and moving Maxi, if we're doing some sign and trade with James, who knows? Like that, those are, those are the much bigger. And I actually think much more impactful, uh, you know, question marks hanging over the Sixers of the summer. And I have to believe Nick Nurse heard something that that encouraged him. And it wasn't just the dollar amount that we're, we plan on paying him. And I'm sure the, the three years after we fire him, that he'll also be getting paid from us. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure that he was told something about his level of involvement or what the Sixers have planned for this summer. Like the, There's a reason that he, he backed away from the Bucks job. And at, at least that's what it seems. Um, and, and chose the Sixers. And again, part of that could definitely be money that we're offering, but I also, part of me has to believe that there's there's something in terms of the actual like talent level here or what he believes the talent level is going to be or the personnel is going to be that uh, enticed him. Now, this was, uh, this was on Stadium with Shams and a whole roundtable of people with Fred Van Vliet. Uh, and, you know, this is what he had to say about Nick Nurse just a, a different voice that they haven't heard before something outside the box he's going to bring new ideas creative ideas uh it'll be a great you know breath of fresh air for them um, anytime you're changing head coaches that's pretty much what you're looking for is a new identity new voice for guys to kind of rally behind i think you know coming down the stretch pretty much had to get Joel on board. I think once they got that, you know, once Nick met with, with Joel, and as long as he's signing off on, on all the crazy stuff that coach wants to do, then uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, they'll be, they'll be in a good spot. So, uh, you know, I think he'll have some success, hopefully not too much, you know. If, yeah. if uh, I'm not there, you know, and, and um, I'm staying in Toronto, then, yeah. you know, we want him to fail. But uh, other than that, <laughs> uh, I'm happy that he landed on his feet. You know, our situation was our situation this year, and coming down the stretch you know they decide to go different ways but uh, i'm just happy that he landed on his feet good to see him you know back with another job have you gotten any calls or text messages from like joel and b or james hard it's like you know what's to nick nurse what, what, what am i getting into what is he bringing to this roster nah, i haven't got what those calls okay. yet but they might be calling after training camp so <laughs> trying, to, trying to figure out you know how to how to read him but uh he's definitely a, a different guy but certainly you know one of the top coaches in the nba and uh, we saw that with us winning the championship. So that bond that we have, that's that's a lifelong thing. Now, a lot of people took the uh, if I'm not there comment and ran with it as if Fred Van Vliet is going to be the immediate replacement for James Harden. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised people would, would take a quote out of context and, uh, and really, really run with it. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind Fred Van Vliet on the team. I don't know how we get him here. Right. <laughs> that's uh, Listen, it is it is great to there are a number of hoops you have to jump through. I love sometimes just going on a, an online shop and scrolling through and looking at all the clothes I could buy. Um, I wouldn't be able to pay my rent if I did, uh, <laughs> but you know, like it's nice to imagine if I could. You know, like it's 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 not a it's not a realistic option for us. Um, and I, I'm just I'm not sure what what it would even take to to get Fred VanVleet on here. But I, I think he's listen. You know your divisional rivals pretty well because you, you see your team play them the most, and those are the the games too that I think you, you care kind of the most about. And Fred Van Vliet is a good player, and like I, I think would would be very nice on this team. I, I think you could have concerns about him and Maxi being on the floor at the same time, um, and and the size difference there. But I, I think he's a good player. I again, I do think Nick Nurse. It's going to be interesting too because it seems like at least part of the reason he's he's 
moved on from the Raptors was that maybe that he lost his voice in the in the locker room and and you know there was some frayed relationships there. Um, you know the the Sixers during Embiid's tenure have had all player positive coaches like Doc Rivers and Brett Brown are like pro player like arm around the shoulder kind of coaches unless you're Ben Simmons mm-hmm. um, and then it's it's deserved uh, <laughs> pushing you in front of a bus but largely speaking like those have been guys that are like totally willing to placate their stars and I think be a little comforting and like build everything around Embiid not that Nick Nurse is not going to do that he does read to me the kind of voice though that is not going to be afraid of telling people like how it is and I think I think he understands maybe something that Brett Brown and Doc Rivers didn't do as much or he has a proclivity to do this a little bit more and like he's a Daryl Morey project by the way this is another retread by Daryl Morey we're getting very very old and bored with uh just hiring anyone that he knew from Houston in in uh in, back into Philly but you know he has that same kind of mind where like I, I don't think he's afraid to make hard decisions. I don't think he's afraid to promote or demote guys dependent on how valuable they actually are, or the value that he sees in them and how willing they are to buy in. I wonder what that's going to mean for Harden too, if he stays, because you know, if there's one thing that anyone has watched the Raptors under, under Nick nurse over the last few years, defensively, like they are a closeout team. They are give like zero space to the opposition type of team. They're aggressive, especially in the perimeter, like closing threes. I don't, you know, listen, I've not seen James he Harden can't. do that. That, that. that is not a that's not a thing. He, especially at this stage of his career, that's not a thing he's doing. So, I think there's there's some legitimate questions to be had about how this is going to work, what it is going to look like, who's on this team, mm-hmm. who is. You know, I I always think too of like when you go back to the first game of the next season, and there's always like a banner, and it's like two or three big players. Right now, it is Embiid and Maxi. I don't know who that third person is. Is that James Harden or is that someone else? Is that going to have to be Tobias Harris because we don't, don't have anyone else? Like, I, that, that is the question mark now. I'm looking at a Spotrack just looking at their trade machine. I'm cracking up because he is big-time friend of the program. We still have a $9.5 million cap hold from Mike Scott. Yeah, God bless. <laughs> Sick. Who has not played for this team since the bubble? I'm pretty sure was the last time Mike Scott was on the roster. Um, but everybody else, uh, well, actually, there's there's a almost two million dollar cap hold, Matt, for one Paul Millsap. Jesus Christ, fool, <laughs> man, Almighty, that's the, tough. The forgotten piece of the Ben Simmons James Harden Just trade. An unbelievable traffic on one of the. <laughs> That's tough. And you know what? I think he's played more minutes since then than Ben Simmons has. I think so. I think you might be on to something there. I, I don't actually, I have no clue if that's true, but it would have oh, shocked me. So. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Nick Nurse is here. We'll see how many more uh, going from a doc to a nurse jokes will be made on the internet between now and the start of the season. But, uh, you know, if anyone anyone who knows and, and knows someone or does work in healthcare. You hear this all the time. Nurses are the ones that do all the work. Doctor just shows up and signs a paper. True. The nurses are the one caring for you and wiping you down and making sure you're good. You got everything you need. So you know what? Maybe it's a valid point. Maybe we uh, next step is just seeing, like you said, who the hell is on this team <laughs> because we have no idea. I was gonna say go get Tyler Hero until I realized he's making like twenty mil a year. Yeah, and he's a restricted free agent. They paid him. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was after the the bubble. The bubble. Finals, I cannot so. believe they gave him. He was amazing in that final. Yeah, so yeah even, but not I, 130 mil for four he years. He showed up good. like a CYO man. I mean, was, yeah, but like that's asinine. I would never give this. I mean, at the time, Taylor Hill was a player, and he would fit in great with the the Philadelphia scheme of what I suppose will be the new scheme under Nick Nurse. But I think we just have to keep not our for eyes that much money on as many six foot eight wing players. It's just disgusting watching the Heat because they're a lot like the Braves mm-hmm. in that they just like they are truly the like orc team of the NBA and the orc team of the MLBs, the Braves, and that like they just bring these guys out of like the mud and the slime, and they're like perfectly built, exactly what they need them to do, totally expendable, get paid absolutely nothing, and they just they do this all the time, and it's just their entire bench is making less money than Tobias Harris. I mean, when Udonis Haslam is making less than the vet mem, <laughs> then yeah, it makes sense. They got guys like the, these these undrafted guys. Martin. They just they find a way to pick these guys off the street. They somehow convinced. I don't know what they did. What I don't know what is left over from LeBron leaving Cleveland to Miami that they still have over him, or because it should go the opposite way. How they get Kevin Love? Like just <laughs> I, I I don't understand it. I, I I need I need some answers here because I know like Pat Riley is called like the Godfather and like the mob boss and whatever. I think he might like I, I think there's some truth to that. And um, man, it is just sickening to watch them like walk to another finals. I, I mean, just, he's like, now been in 25 percent of the finals in NBA history. It's stupid. Like that's yeah, and he looks actually like crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yes. There's some people that get to that age and you're like, wow, he looks great. It's like Pat Riley looks his age. Like, he looks like he's been through it. Yeah. Like Pat Riley looks like. Uh, if they cast NBA uh, personalities in Matt Reeves the Batman, he would be Carmine Falcone. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, one one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, and now it's Sixers fans' worst nightmare come to life. It's Nuggets Heat in the NBA Finals. I, I'm f- totally on board with the Nuggets winning. I I really I don't hold any any ill will towards Jokic. I really don't care. I'm not listening to another second about Jimmy Butler. And he's like, he's such a dog. And I, or that I Michael hear, Jordan's his dad. If I have to hear one more lunch pail thing about Jimmy Butler, I'm going to scream. Like now, I'm, I do have to ask you this. Got outplayed by Caleb Martin. Like, he should not even won that the, that dumb trophy they gave to the best player in the conference. That isn't finally. named after LeBron James. Like just this, the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. But. I do have to ask you this, Matt. Just in principle, from your soccer fandom, can you survive another Stan Kroenke title? Yeah, I can. I, that's fine. I don't care because hilariously, Arsenal did not win. So like, I, it's true. I'm okay with that. I'm. It actually really it's the funny. The one team that didn't. It'd be really funny because I don't know that any other the Stan Kroenke owned teams. First of all, a bunch of them have won titles now. It's yeah. been the Avalanche, the Rams, probably the Nuggets Colorado this Mammoth. year. The Mammoth. Like, I you know like, it would actually be really funny if every other team but Arsenal wins. Like that would actually be really funny to me in a in a sick kind of way. Um, no, I, I does not bother me whatsoever. Uh, not, I just, I don't know. I've never hated Jokic. I've never like disliked the Nuggets. I think again, I talk about a team that is like built the right way. That's just drafted well, taking risks when they had to. Like they draft Michael Porter Jr. when he was like a medical red flag. Do not draft for everyone else. So like, oh, fuck it, we'll take a shot. Like why not? And it, you know, it worked out for them so far. Like, fair enough. Like he hasn't been amazing. He hasn't been like he was the number one recruit out of that class. He has not been that level of top. He's been good. And like again, they were not going to be picking in that position in the draft a lot. You like it. So fair enough. It's like with the Eagles where they take a swing at, at a Jalen Carter, right? Like, yeah, maybe there's some red flags, but you know what? Like mm-hmm. you're not going to be picking at Nolan Smith. In the lottery, you know, 
might as well take a shot while you're there. Like, and I, I think it's totally fun. I think, I think they've done things the right way. I think Jokic is, uh, I, I like watching Jokic. I think he's fun to watch. I think he's a great player. I really wouldn't be that upset if they win a title. Um, and by the way, there's like, I don't know, 200 Nuggets fans. I, like I, <laughs> and all of them are constantly in every Sixers fans mentions whenever you talk about Embiid. But th- that argument is dead, by the way. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, Jokic is doing stuff that Wilt Chamberlain. Whenever you're like, has not so, been done since Wilt Chamberlain. So he's well, the only one to do it. <laughs> thank you. Because, like, Wilt Chamberlain doesn't count. That's true. Wilt Chamberlain is not real. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, so he's the first to do it. <laughs> you know, like, but then it's just like ESPN stats. Like, no, it's the triple. He's got I mean, like my more boy, triple doubles than he was. Like he is so effective. It's my, unbelievable. My boy Bron like benefits more than anybody from ESPN stats, but they're the dumbest thing ever. Like we really don't care that he's the first person to drop a triple double on a Tuesday in May while eating a cheesesteak. Like we don't. But care. it is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, but like that's not a stat we need to know. Just say it once. Don't throw up a graphic, and we're fine. Like they just emphasize certain things that I feel like they shouldn't emphasize. Like. Cool. Like, he's playing basketball and he's good at it. We do have. So is everybody else. <laughs> we do have breaking news from a uh, friend of the program, hasn't been on the show, but avid listener, uh, Michelle Castellanos, Nick Castellanos' mom. Uh, she has officially placed two bets on the Philadelphia Phillies to one, win the National League at 14 to 1, and to win the World Series at 20 to 1. Awesome. That's not gonna get anyone in trouble, right? That's not, that's not gonna. I don't. I don't think she's. Yeah, she's not a member of gambling. the team. But why is it Nick Cassianos' credit card? Uh, right <laughs> <behind> <laughs> <it>? <laughs> I mean, fine. It's cool. Fair. I, I'm glad that she's not only emotionally but financially is supporting the cause. Okay, my question in. is, why can't you bet on yourself? Uh, I think <laughs> I, I think there's just a, a very gray area in terms of uh, of doing so. Well, I mean, like a futures bet, like you should be able to place a bet for yourself to win the World Series a year out. Like, okay, I'm saying right now that my team's gonna be good in 12 months. Like, sure, <laughs> sure. I I don't disagree. Uh, I do think it, it becomes a problem when when people can bet to lose and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's they never want to even. I think I think the problem is with player sports betting is they never want to have the discussion that players could even potentially this is why sports betting was like never going to happen anyway there's never Mm going to be a team in vegas because like how could you let the like and now it's like you cannot and i mean cannot interact with sports in any way now (laughs) without some schmucks parlay uh like talking about it's it's unbelievable it's everywhere now um but I, i think you you can't afford to have even the slightest doubt about like the impartialness or or how involved people are in this and um so actually a soccer player just got banned for eight months because he paced a lot of bets and quite a few <laughs> of those were actually for his team to lose now while well, he wasn't playing but like which is like kind of a bet in on himself anyway because like, yeah. well, i'm not there so they're not you know like but you know it does it gets it gets tough it gets when nobody tough. got me i know i got me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly bingo shout uh, out to ivan tony Speaking of uh, of soccer union underway down at Subaru Park, and uh, like we said last week, Matt, they're right back on track, right where we wanted them to be. One point out, I believe. Of Phillies, take place. note. Here's how you evolve over the course <laughs> of a season and adapt. Mold yourself. Here's how you struggle early out the gates and then adapt with a new formation, maybe a new 
batting lineup. Maybe that's maybe that's your version of switching to three at the back like the Union have done. Maybe that's what you should do. Uh, Union back on track, just like we expected them to be. They're one point out of second place, and relatively speaking, not too far out of of first place, which we've talked a ton since the uh, the rule change now, um, where first place isn't necessarily as important. They're actually three points out of second place uh, with the virtual tie between Nashville and New England right now. But big points against New England last time out. They're playing Charlotte tonight, who believe are now uh sixth in the east so they've moved up a little bit um since the last time both teams have played but this is it's a winnable game for the union we talked about their schedule with this game and the rest of june like a very winnable schedule for them to pick up important points move themselves into a much more comfortable position in the eastern conference which is just a, a juggernaut right now with every team outside of montreal being the nine seed one through eight have at least 20 points this year yeah, the East has definitely been the, the more competitive side of MLS this season. And, uh, you know, you, you have a lot of, like, teams, too, like, making big leaps this season. Like, Cincinnati is, you know, a team that was a playoff team in the last few years but has, has really risen to be, you know, one of the best teams in the East and, and in all of MLS. So it's been good. You know, we, we've talked about, too, like, the Union have evolved over the last, like, month and a half and started to put together better results. And, you know, again, this is another week where they're playing this three-at-the-back situation and that does seem to be kind of suiting the personnel. And, and I think the way the teams had zeroed in a little bit on how to play the Union and how to, to work past them. And it's always a struggle with the way the Union play, too. Like, it's not a it's not a style that suits itself necessarily to longevity because you're really depending a lot on the other team enjoying possession and, you know, giving you the space with which to, to, to kind of make those darting runs when you when you turn over and, you know, have that, that quick transition. You know, when teams are letting the union kind of dominate the ball, they, they don't have that that creativity. They don't really have that number 10 in, like, the more, like, classic sense. Like, sometimes you see this in basketball, you you just need, like, that classic point guard who can kind of set other guys up. That's, like, a problem for the Celtics, right, is that they don't have a point guard that can kind of just run the offense. You don't really have a guy like that in this team. Um, they don't really have, like, a more pure number 10. Like, Geisdeg is more like a number 9. You know, like, he's more like a, a secondary striker than mm-hmm. he is, like, you know, more of your, like, typical uh creative number 10 but yeah i i think I've, I've been really impressed with the way that jim Curtin has sort of adapted over the last few weeks it's one of the reasons that he's one of the best best coaches out there so um it, it's it's a, a good situation to find yourself in i mean we've mentioned it a ton but their their upcoming june schedule they play again on saturday uh at home against montreal they play san jose who of their crop of, of june games is the toughest team uh just based on record alone uh, then Orlando City and Inter Miami. That's their June schedule before July opens up. You play some tougher teams and and some upper echelon competition, which will really test the Union to see like where they are litmus test wise. But if they can take care of business over the next four matches and then obviously tonight, you're sitting really pretty in the Eastern Conference, which is a good sign for this team. Yeah, and all of a sudden you're in July, and you know you only have uh, you're you're sort of on the the second half of the schedule, and you know you you've kind of turned around what was a, a tough February and March into, again, very similar to last year, you know, where they, they, they really weren't great in the, the first few, uh, you know, match weeks of the season. And it wasn't until June, July that you started to see, you know, those six, seven nil games, right? Like you just haven't, uh, haven't hit that point yet. Maybe, maybe they're really the hot weather team this entire time. <laughs> maybe it's actually the union. Um, you know, we always think it's the Phillies, but it's actually the union that just get better as the, uh, as the nights get muggier. 
they get better as the nights get muggier, as the drum bangers get more uh, prominent. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a Philly team that might actually learn to win when you have a, a big uh, a big personality. When you take job. a mallet to an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so hopefully the Union will pull it out tonight against Charlotte. Currently, we'll update on the Phillies. They're losing uh, 2-1 as Aaron Nola hung a, a pitch over the middle for... Mark Conha to uh, give the Mets a 2-1 lead. Mundo Sosa hit a home run for the Phils. Um, so hopefully they can bounce back, but who knows? Um, Somebody tell Schwarber. <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, you're telling me. Um, He's about to get devoted to my bench. <laughs> to, uh, to recap everything that went down last week on Survivor 44, it's brought to you by our friends over at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. I just got my new blue light glasses from them. Uh, to protect my eyes when I'm staring at screens all day long. Summertime is is pretty much here. Get your sunglasses, your blue light glasses, your prescription lenses from our friends at Tomahawk Shades. Tyson Apostles, Tomahawk Shades ambassador as well. Uh, so there's that survivor connection. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com, fill up your cart with everything that you need for the summertime sunshine, your your blue light glasses, and obviously those prescription lenses if you need them. And when you go to check out, use code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. That's code USP for 25% off at TomahawkShades.com. Matt, I thought we were going to have to old takes expose ourselves for a hot second last week uh, when we both said we didn't see a way for Heidi to win. She wins the final immunity goes and makes fire uh and gets one vote to her name uh but it is jam jam who ends up winning survivor 44 uh the first openly out player of color to win survivor um sarah and i were talking about this yesterday when she was when she was here jam jam just had like this this charisma about the way that he carries himself and is able to talk through situations that superseded anything that Carolyn or Heidi were able to do with the jury. Um, and overall, I think Jam Jam played a, a phenomenal game. So this used to be a trope. I can remember in like older Survivor seasons, people be like, oh, he's a bartender. You know, like he talks to people. Jam Jam works in a hair salon. Mm-hmm. Like he owns a hair salon. So people talk all day. Like you, you have to be able to talk to people, even people you don't care for. Because guess what? It's about money and about making sure they're happy and comfortable. They come back and give you their business. Like you have to listen to them talk about their problems. If you talk to anyone who's ever cut hair, who's a barber, anything like that, like whatever it is, there's something about sitting in that chair and getting a lineup or getting your hair dyed that people spill their guts to you and will tell you all about their drama and their troubles and all those things. And, you know, it, I, I think that really reflects in his personality. And listen, was I a little disappointed that Carolyn didn't get a single vote? Yes. You also have to ask yourself if you were the one with the vote. It's, t- it's tough, but like, I'm sorry, but like Jam Jam had a better like it's it's it it sucks. Like I wish I wish she had gotten second. Um, but you know, like when Jam Jam was that good, I, I think Jam Jam was good enough to sweep. Um, I didn't mind that Danny gave his like his one of his close friends and his ally in the game a vote to get her second place and a little more money. But I uh, it, it's it's hard to really argue that Jam Jam wasn't the best player this season and certainly wasn't the best out of those three. Um, it was my feeling going into the finale that if he makes final three, I I really don't. Now, it seems like Carson was closer mm-hmm. than maybe I thought. Um, but, man, I uh, I think I don't mind Heidi either, like, pulling the move that she did, like, making fire. I will say this, too. I do think that that is a sign that you're also aware that you maybe don't have the strongest game and that you're kind of looking 
for like a big moment to show off. Here's what I did. You right. know, like it, it, it did feel like her resume was a little bit built on that. And, um, you know, good enough. Making the final three is like impressive on its own and winning mm-hmm. the final challenge. Like that's amazing. You know, like I, honestly, like if I, if I was ever on survivor and like someone just offered me that at the beginning, like, yeah, I'd probably take that actually. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fine. You know, it's just, it is what it is. So, um, James, M was great. Carolyn was great. I, I love too that she got the CEO award, uh, totally deserving. Um, yeah, she got a Carson and Lauren. Yeah. And I, I think honestly, like those, like the Tika three are, are three of my favorite survivors ever. Like they're, they're all cool in like in their own way. I think it's the first time of the condensed seasons with the 26 days that we finally have like that iconic, like grouping right. for the first time because it's been so fast paced that I think you haven't been able to even have that connection and um i mean it helps too that they were <laughs> their tribe early on was getting picked off a lot and losing challenges and you know, that's typically where you see those like mm-hmm. those duos or their those trios kind of form is usually like that intense camaraderie when it's like just the three of you on a beach and you know you're not even sure you know if you're gonna have to vote another person i like i i do think that that builds the bond that that lasts them the whole game and seems to have like you know developed in real life as well um so it's cool i i think the Again, it's it's another season two where I think I'm happy with the outcome. I'm happy with mm-hmm. the people that I watched on my screen. Like everyone was like fun and exciting, and I think played the game well. I think we got good moments out of this season. Um, I think Jam Jam is a great winner. I would love to see him play again. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see and I'd love to see anyone from the finale play again for sure. Like I, I would I would definitely be interested in that. I'd love to see Franny play again. I thought she was great. Um, she was definitely like a, a a big star in this season. So yeah, and I mean Carson doing what he did at. 20 years old and hiding the fact that he was working for NASA and they were all just mind blown by the fact that he was working for NASA was hilarious. Um, We got the, the teaser for season 45. We got our guy from, from this season is back uh, after being uh, evacuated from the game. So that Jeff held on to his promise uh, that he would be back and he's back for this upcoming season, which will be the first uh, 90 minute season of survivor um i mean the the four seasons we've gotten so far of the, of the 26 day i think have been some of the best survivor we've gotten in the history of the show yeah i i think i don't i i really haven't noticed any real difference with it being like shorter timeline i will say like i think the season was better in some ways too because there was a there was a little less twist this year, like mm-hmm. when I, which I think is good. I, I think, listen, like you have this new uh, diversity initiative with cast, which I think is giving you like a breath of fresh air, and that like you're not getting the same like seventeen boring white people, and like you know, like it, you're getting a much more representative picture of like people you know in your real life, people you've experienced in your real life. You're also getting a much more like it's the same thing with any kind of diversity. You're getting different thoughts, different approaches, different strategies, different opinions, different experiences, like. When you're watching what is essentially to reality TV, I want that. I want like people that come from all kinds of backgrounds, from different countries now too. Like you're getting, you know, people from Puerto Rico, from Canada, from wherever. Like, yeah, I'm into that. Like, I I want to see like what other people have to offer. Um, and I think it's no surprise too that I think this has been I think the strongest run of like new casting that this show has had in a while. Like I I don't and I don't think those things are are a coincidence. I I think it's it's true that you know. When you open up and allow people that are not just like the same like character and, and just the same archetype, when you're like willing to just let like more random people get on the show, you're not doing like people that work at CBS just on the mm-hmm. show, right? Like 
you know, when you, when you kind of just open the doors a little bit, um, you have great, like, not just even, like, characters, right? Like, people that are entertaining to watch, but good players. Like, you've gotten, like, really good players the last few seasons. Like, um, and that's that's exciting. So, I'm glad this season was a little lighter on the twists. I think I think they were getting they're a little dangerous uh with with some of the stuff uh last year with with i'm really glad to not see the hourglass twist back yes. uh that was one of my least favorite additions that they've made um and I, I thought they really revamped the the going on a journey thing too i agree i also still think though like now it's like everyone knows now when you go on a journey that you have to make up a lie mm-hmm. and that you probably lost your vote or whatever. like it's just I do think it was fine this season. That's something that I would get a little bored with um, if I saw it again next year. Especially since they did, at least this year, they did the tribe swap the one time. Right. Which was a, a fun twist that like, I don't think anybody really saw coming. Um, we do have it tough next season, Matt, because Survivor 45, no Northeast firefighter. Well, that really makes it, that makes it hard. Makes the decision that, that much more difficult. Um, but we do have somebody from Philadelphia is a an added bonus there but bruce peril is who i was mentioning earlier who was medically evacuated on the uh the first episode he is back um we do have somebody from canada we have uh our older player who i think the oldest player in 45 is uh 49 years old and then uh we've got a school principal so shout out to that school district for letting their uh their principal go away for for 26 days uh go make a fool of himself and lose his job (laughs) (laughs) what Um, if it's a clause like they're like yeah you can go but you have to win and if you don't win you don't have a job well i think the benefit here is that um where he teaches they don't have internet so it's gonna be a while nice before uh he's from utah they may not even know that he's gone (laughs) you know (laughs) oh no they don't know (laughs) they know everything there he escaped, uh, and he's just off the radar now. Um, Proud of him. But obviously, season 45 will be in the fall. We'll have more uh, to dive into as that gets closer. But shout out to Jam Jam uh, for being the winner of season 44. And uh, last thought here, shout out to Zach Bryan, absolutely shutting down Wells Fargo Center last night. Uh, I have learned as well just from the social medias and him being uh, in Philly for his tour. He now lives in Philadelphia. Um so again, we called him out at the live pod in April. Zach Bryan, we'd love to have you on the show. Wore Joel and B jersey on stage last night. We'll see what he wears tonight. If it's a, a Flyers jersey or if it's another Sixers jersey. Obviously, he uh, made his way onto Philly Sports Twitter by just actively and openly tweeting about the Eagles all year long. Last year has kind of adopted Philadelphia as his home. So uh, shout out to him for absolutely. Uh, rocking it out at the wells fargo center and he quote tweeted uh the septa official account said that they uh added additional transit for after his concert he was like this is a local's dream (laughs) (laughs) so shout out to him and shout uh, out to septa shout out to septa again everybody home safe um but make sure you guys are following us at underground phi twitter instagram facebook.com slash underground sports phi twitch.tv slash underground sports phi you can follow matt on twitter at matt castarina you can follow dj on twitter at scs underscore next great you can follow me at kbizzl 311 subscribe to the podcast feed on apple spotify leave a five-star review it does go a long way for helping this show continue to grow and also subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. So you get full video episodes of this show twice a week. 
every podcast on our network, clips, shorts, live streams. It's all on our YouTube channel. Go subscribe. We're at 509 subscribers right now. We're going to get to 600 by the end of June. So let's get that off to a hot start as we head into the month of June. Share the YouTube with your friends. And big shout out to the City of Vineland, the presenting sponsor of this podcast. And the City of Vineland Municipal Calendar features city-organized, city-sponsored, and city-affiliated events that are of public interest. The calendar, which is accessible at vinelandcity.org, is a good way for residents and visitors to build awareness, remain engaged with city government, and participate in local events. You can also follow the City of Vineland on social media via their Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube pages. Through these tools, you can stay connected to the community and get important announcements about programs and services offered by the city. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Maine Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland for their continued support of this podcast. And be sure to get your merch, phiapparel.co, code underground, for 10% off any and all merch orders, plus free shipping but this has been episode number 538 of underground sports philadelphia for dj for matt i'm kb until next time we're getting the heck up out of here go phils go union we're signing off I'm